Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to be welcoming you back to this brand new episode on the Learn to Love podcast, where we're going to be continuing our discussion all about conflict and conflict resolution. Stay tuned because in this episode, we're going to talk all about the three main ways people experience conflict that Sue Johnson discusses in her book, Hold Me Tight. Have you heard about them before? Protest Polka, find the bad guy and freeze and flee. This understanding is going to really help you be more aware of your default response to conflict and how to leverage it to help you more in the situation. We're also going to be talking about the four horsemen that John Gottman discusses and the seven principles for making marriage work, how we use them in conflict and how they affect our relationship. That is criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And the opposites of those, we're going to share a story and we're going to get into the stress response, some benefits of exercise and managing stress and more. So stay tuned stay tuned. I'm super excited to be sharing this information with you. I hope that you will find it meaningful, be able to apply it to your relationship, and help you love smarter, not harder. Love is hard and conflict is so hard, but it doesn't have to be. I hope that using these tools from research will make it a little bit easier for you to deal with conflict when it arises. Stay tuned as we discuss these tools. Let's begin with a story. So I first heard this story a number of years ago. I don't know who it's from. If you do know, let us know at contact at learnlove.ca. I couldn't find online, but you know that we love analogies on the show. And I hope that this one on conflict and stress will help you understand how you perceive conflict and stress a little bit more. It goes like this. A psychologist walked around a room while teaching stress management to an audience. As she raised a glass of water, everyone expected they'd be asked the half-empty or half-full question. Instead, with a smile on her face, she inquired, how heavy is this glass of water? Answers called out ranged from 8 ounces to 10 ounces to 20 ounces. She replied, The absolute weight doesn't matter. It depends on how long I hold it. If I hold it for a minute, it's not a problem. If I hold it for an hour, I'll have an ache in my arm If I hold it for a day, my arm will feel numb and paralyzed. In each case, the weight of the glass doesn't change, but the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. She continued, The stresses and worries in life are like that glass of water. Think about them for a while and nothing happens. Think about them a bit longer, and they begin to hurt. And if you think about them all day long, you will feel paralyzed, incapable of doing anything. It's important to remember to let go of your stresses. 
as early in the evening as you can. Put all your burdens down. Don't carry them through the evening and into the night. Remember to put the glass down. Thank you so much for listening to that story. What did you think? I thought that was so, so interesting the first time I heard it because how much the glass weighs doesn't really matter. It's how long we hold it that makes all the difference. It's the same thing with the stresses, the worries that we carry around us. If you have stress and you carry it with you throughout the day, if something's bothering you with your partner and you carry it with you throughout the day and the next day and the next day and you don't bring it out, you don't vent, that pressure is going to build and build and build inside of you until you explode. Explode with your partner. And that's not what we want. Remember that story that we talked about in the last episode on putting nails in the fence. And you can take the nails out of the fence, those hurtful words, but the hole will always be there. Okay? It's really damaging to ourselves and to our partner's self-esteem when we say such negative things. And the longer we hold them in, the more the pressure builds until we explode. Now, how do we relate this into managing conflict? Well, we talked about that first rescue. First, help your partner calm down before you really focus on yourself and, and what you need from your partner, if you can. But always come back to your partner later and tell them how you feel when they have the emotional and the physical capacity to deal with you, okay? Remember, we can't connect to the passenger of the car the logical thinking brain, if the driver, which is the emotional feeling brain, is out of control. This is such, such, such an interesting story. Now, why do things build up as we hold them inside of us? Well, I think they build up for a number of reasons. The first is related to our stress response. I want to talk a little bit about it now. Our, our stress response, it is composed of cortisol, is, is a big part of it, which is a hormone that passes through our body and leaves us feeling stressed. It, it leaves our heart rate pumping, feeling tense, feeling kind of agitated, our blood pressure goes up, and such. I'm sure you can relate to this. Cortisol. Okay, now now why do we have this this hormone that makes us feel so tense. Well, it's really, really useful in times of survival. Like if we're scared or if we're, if we're stressed, like we're, you know, hunting for something in, in the forest and there could be an animal there and we feel stressed, well, we're going to be more prepared to react to danger if, if we get attacked by, by that animal or something. It's going gonna, it's gonna to quicken our, our physical senses and make it easier to respond. Now, the problem that we have today is that we often feel stress from things that aren't like very, very specific and, and readily there. So, for example, if you're stressed that an animal might attack you while you're hunting, well, then as soon as you leave the bush, you know, or, or the place where the animal could be when you're back to safety, you're going to feel a lot better. But the problem is if you feel stressed because you feel like you're just not present with your family, you're not available enough for your family, it's just going to be a recurring, recurring stress if you've been feeling it for a while. And nothing in specific will bring that stress down. And the this, this stress hormone, while well, it's really, really great in the short term for helping us deal with potentially life-threatening situations, it's really harmful over the long term because it does so much damage to our muscles, to our blood pressure. People who are stressed are at much higher risk for heart disease, sometimes even cancer and a number of other conditions. But how do we deal with stress? How do we get that stress level down? Well, a really, really, really big way to do that is through exercise exercise. When we move our body, that stress hormone is going to get cycled faster and it's going to degrade faster. Exercise is one of the best, best, best ways to relieve stress, to make us feel better. 
Another way is holding our partner. Physical contact in a loving way makes us feel safe and helps to reduce stress. So that's like if we hold our partner, if they give us a hug, if we kiss them in a nice and respectful way, it's another great, great way to reduce stress. Now, the thing is that we kind of live in a society today that encourages the opposite of these things. We feel stressed throughout the day, like at work, where we're sitting the whole day and we're like tense because of, you know, our projects and things going on. And we feel like people need so many things from us and we take so much on our plate. We're going to talk about essentialism a little bit later in, in future episodes of the show, how we take so much on our plate. And we need to really think about what is the most essential thing. Okay. Another really interesting topic. But we're sitting, sitting, sitting at work, we feel stressed, we go home, we sit for dinner, we're stressed, it builds up within us. And guys, what happens, the more stressed we are, the less physically and emotionally capable we are with dealing with anything else. That's because our stress response, while it sends a lot of energy to our muscles, to our like our, our body, it's taking a lot of that energy away from our thinking brain. Now, the problem with that is, you know, like when you're so angry or you're so stressed, you just can't think. And then it makes you even more stressed because you're not thinking. That That's a big problem because it's taking away our ability to be emotionally engaged properly with our partners with everyone around us you know like when you're so stressed about something and you just snap you just snap at your partner like you can't take it anymore you just like snap at them over something so small like the milk in the fridge or something it's not you know improperly you just get mad and you snap guys that is our stress response we have so much of this pressure building inside of us that a little bit can make us explode. And when that stress builds, builds, builds throughout the day because we're sitting so much, we're not exercising. We need to exercise. We need to move. It's one of the biggest, biggest, biggest ways to get that stress out of our body, to cycle it through our body and break it down. We are asking for trouble. We are setting ourselves up for failure. I strongly believe that most conflicts in a relationship, minor conflicts, are not actually related to the conflict itself. You're not actually mad at your partner because of the way they put the milk back in the fridge or because there was a little bit of crumbs on the counter. It's usually something that's been building up throughout the day that that then like comes to you and your brain is offline. Your thinking part of your brain is just offline because your stress response is blocking it. The driver of the car is getting really, really wild. Your consciousness car, the emotional feeling brain. And then by the time it comes down to like minor things, it's just boom, boom. But guys, we need to take care of ourselves if we want to take care of others. Okay, like if we want to be available for our partners, we have to take the physical and emotional preparedness to deal with it. Okay, how do we do that? We, we take care of ourselves. We exercise. We take deep breaths. We try to calm down. And another thing is we tell our partners how they can support us. Like if we feel stressed, with our, we communicate that. We say, honey, I feel really, really stressed right now. Um, it's been a rough day at work. I'm, I'm sorry to ask this, but is it okay if we just cuddle for a couple minutes and I take some deep breaths to help me calm down and then we can, I'll help you prepare dinner. Is that okay? Like, I, I really want to help you and I really want to be there for you. I'm just, I feel like really stressed right now and I would just really appreciate it if we could hug for a few minutes. Is that okay? Guys, that's a beautiful thing to say to your partner. It's, it's communicating in a very, very, very respectful way to them. It's modeling compassion and care, and it's inviting them to take care of us, to take care of us. That's so, that's so beautiful, okay? And, and that's what we need because remember, we talk about relationship like being a team. You and your partner are a team together, guys. You need to work together, but how, how are you going to work together? You need to teach each other what you can do to support each other. Isn't that amazing? Remember that story with the cup. The longer we hold the cup, the heavier it feels. We feel stressed, it builds up, and we cycle negative things inside our head 
over and over and over again. We exaggerate them. We get bigger and bigger and bigger. The cup gets heavier, 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 and then we can't take it anymore. We snap. Another way you can do this is through having daily check-ins where you say, honey, what can I do right now to support you? It's such a great way for you both to say that to each other and learn what you need and learn how, to, how, how you're feeling. And just being present too is so important. You can just say something like, honey, how do you feel? I feel stressed. A lot of us, when our partner tells that to us, we get stressed ourselves. We're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I don't want to deal with their problems. I don't know what I can do to help them. And we walk away. But guys, remember, we talked about this in the episode on teamwork. We don't need to solve all our partner's problems. We just need to be there with them and tell them that we're on their side, you know, that we're caring for them, that things are going to be okay. Let's do this again. Honey, honey, how do you feel today? Honestly, babe, I feel really stressed. Wow. Um, what can I do to help? I want to help you feel better. I don't know, honey. Honestly, like, I don't know what you can do. Um, can I give you a hug? Yeah, sure. Okay, now, now you're hugging, you know? A lot of people like hugs, okay? Just like general rule. Like a lot of people are not going to get mad at you if you offer to give them a hug. Also, by helping them calm down, we're working on that first rescue, okay? We're helping them calm down. We're helping get the car back on the road. They are going to be more physically able to deal with us throughout the day after that, throughout the evening. If we hold things in, we don't have the physical and emotional capacity. Remember, the stress response hinders our brains, okay? Hinders our thinking, leaves us incapable, to actually fully be present, okay? So, so interesting and so, so important. You need to move your body. We are designed to move, okay? A lot of parts, a lot of our, our body parts, like our, our limbic system, for example, which cycles a lot of our immune cells through our body, only works properly when we move. We need to exercise, okay? This is not a show on, on exercise, but if you want to be more physically available for your partner and emotionally, you got to move your body. Comes with a lot of health benefits on everything else too. <laughs> okay, now, so in, in the first part of the show, we talked about how we need to take care of ourselves to be physically and emotionally capable of taking care of our partners. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, guys, if we're not doing that, we cannot call ourselves an excellent, you know, like the best partner because, because there's so much more that we could be doing, you know, and, and I'm not telling you that you're not good enough. You have it in you. It can be so, so much easier, easier for you to be there for your partner if you take care of yourself too. It's like an airplane, guys, you know, like an airplane. I think this is very rare today. If, I don't know if anyone's experienced this. If, if any of you listening to the show have experienced this before, I would love to hear your story. So send us an email, contact at learnlove.ca. What I'm saying here is, you know, on a plane, when, like, if the plane loses altitude, um, air pressure, sorry, the plane loses cabin pressure really fast, um, the, like, those masks come out of the ceiling. That's what I want. If you experience this, send us an email. You have to put your mask first before you put you help someone else put their mask. First you put your mask, then you put someone else's mask on, okay? Like your children's mask. Because if you don't do that, you're going to go unconscious and the time it takes you to put their mask, and now two people are unconscious instead of one. You know, like, at least if you put your mask on and the child went unconscious, while you're conscious, you know, you're still awake, you'd be able to put their mask on, which would wake them up again. But if you go unconscious while you're half putting on theirs, then both of you go unconscious, Okay, on an airplane, you always put your mask first before you put someone else's so that you can help them in the case that they can't put on their own mask. It's the same thing with how we deal with anger, with conflict and stress. We need to take care of ourselves before we can be physically and emotionally capable of taking care of others. How can we keep our car on the road? Okay. How can we get our, our passenger, our thinking brain to be there when our feeling brain is going wild and crazy? I don't know. More on that 
in our episode on the thinking and feeling brain a little bit earlier in this series, the second episode in the, in the conflict resolution series. Now, in the next segment of the show, I want to talk to you about three main ways that people deal with conflict that relates to the way they were raised, okay, their instincts, that Sue Johnson talks about in her book, Hold Me Tight. And after that, we're going to talk about the four horsemen that John Gottman talks about in his book, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And then we're going to summarize everything together and wrap up this episode. So... And hold me tight, Sue Johnson, she says that there are three main ways that people deal with conflict. There is protest polka, find the bad guy, and freeze and flee. Now, what are these ways? These are like the default ways that people resort to when conflict arises based on their instincts, the way they were raised. Some people say their genetics, like whatever. Okay. But the idea is that you're going to probably fall into one of these three categories and if you go to this category, you're going to recognize your instinctual response. I want you to recognize what you normally resort to. And then I want you to think about how that influences your situation. So if, if you can recognize the way that you normally deal with conflict, it's going to help you better understand your reaction and be able to better modify your reaction in the future by knowing what, what happens you know, by default. You can visualize how you want to do it differently in the future, and you can recognize it when it arises. You can have a little bit more control over your reaction. So let's, let's get into it. So what are those three ways? So imagine that you and your partner are fighting, okay? There's a conflict. You're saying, like, um, I hate you. You know, you don't appreciate me. And the other partner's saying, I can't stand you. Like, you're driving me crazy. I'm losing my mind, okay? So what so there, there are three ways that, that you guys could, could deal with the situation. And imagine yourself, like what you would do in the situation. The first one that Sue Johnson mentions is, we're gonna, the first one we're going to mention is freeze and flee. So in freeze and flee, whenever the emotions start to pick up, okay, you freeze and then you flee. You feel really, really overwhelmed you stop responding, and then you, you disappear. You say, I need to go. I need time for myself. So imagine that your partner's crying, and they're like, I feel so bad. I feel so awful, you know? And then, and then you're like, uh... And you're like, just freeze. You're like, I don't know what to do. And then you're like, uh, um... I need some alone time, or like, I need to go. Or another fleeing is you f you're physically there, but you flee emotionally and cognitively is you pull out your phone and you start like trying to numb yourself with your phone. We're going to talk all about numbing in future episodes. Freeze and flee. So another example would be like in that fight, you know, I hate you. I don't feel like appreciated by you at all. And you're just like, you just walk away. You're like, I can't take this. You just walk away. Freeze and flee. The next default response that people go to is called find the bad guy. Find the bad guy. And find the bad guy, you are trying to blame your partner. We're trying to like blame someone else specifically about the situation. So for example, if your partner's like, the milk is not in the, f you know, you didn't like you open the milk bag the wrong way or like, you know, the house is such a mess. I, I can't take this anymore. Like, I feel like you don't appreciate me. And find the bad guy, you're going to say like, well, you know, you have been sitting around a lot lately and I always see you sitting on the couch and watching your shows. If you didn't watch your show so much, then, you know, there'd be more time to clean the house. You know, why are you blaming me? I work so hard. And I always catch you like just, you know, scrolling on Instagram or something. Okay, that would be an example of find the bad guy. You're trying to make someone else the bad guy so that you're not the bad guy. So in Freeze and Flee, you would be like, uh, I, I don't know what to say. And you just like walk away or like you just pull out your phone. You're like not even listening to your partner. You can't take it. Okay. Like you're just, you don't have the capability to take it. You don't know what to do when the conflict arises. So you just walk away. Like your partner's crying. You just walk away, find the bad guy. You're trying to blame someone else. So like, well, you know, if you didn't watch your shows, there would be more time. No, no, no. If you 
if you called me earlier, if you just called me more often, if you made me feel more appreciated, no, 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 find the bad guy. The last one is protest polka. So whereas in find the bad guy, we're blaming a person, in protest polka, we're just protesting in general, like on circumstance, on anything. So an example would be like, I don't know what to do. I feel like you don't appreciate me. And then the partner, your partner, you're like, well, I'm so busy with work. You know, like this house has been such a mess so often. Why are you blaming me when like everyone does it? You know, we haven't had rules here for so long. There's nothing that we can do about it. And like, you know, it's been really cold lately and I just feel down. I don't feel like doing it. And like protesting, protesting, like, well, you know, I have to do that. Nah, 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 nah. We're like finding excuses to not do the situation. To not to to make it so that it's not our fault. Now I want you to think, like, just take a minute, like actually pause the podcast here and think about it for a minute. What do you do when conflict arises? Like, what is your default go-to response? Like, like when your partner is crying, do you like tense up and, and like not know what to do? So you like pull out your phone or like you try to like you're there, but you like disengage cognitively or like emotionally. Or you, you like walk away or something? Do you try to blame everyone else? Oh, well, you know, you always do this, they always do that. Or do you just protest in general? It's not my fault because of na na na. Really think about it. I wonder if there's like one of the three that really, really resonates with you. There should be one that like you hear. And you're like, yeah, usually I I resort to this one. I think a really common one for a lot of people is actually, I don't know, I don't know for sure, but I think it's freeze and flee. I think a lot of us feel kind of uncomfortable dealing with a lot of emotions. And then when emotions come, maybe it's because we feel like we're not allowed to deal with them. Like, you know, we're not supposed to be feeling them or we just, we're never taught like what to do when those emotions arise. We disengage freeze and flee. But other ones too, like people who complain a lot in conflict, maybe they would be like a a find the bad guys or a a protest polka or someone who always makes it your fault or someone else's fault. You know, they don't want to take personal responsibility. We're going to talk in future episodes about why it's absolutely critical to take personal responsibility. Um, We're going to talk about a book called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin? Or is there another... Do you feel that you sometimes use one and sometimes use the other? Let us know what you thought about this exercise by sending us an email at contact.learnlove.ca. Now, why is it so important to recognize this? Well, we hinted about it at the beginning, like what your style is, but just, just to know what you resort to by default can help you recognize it. So let's say, for example, that you are a find the bad guy kind of person. Like that's just you. When you get upset, you just blame everyone else. Okay. Well, you can recognize that. Now Now you know that that's often what you resort to. Think about it. And then when you actually do it, you can tell yourself, I'm doing find the bad guy right now. And just know that all three of these things are not helpful in that first rescue and helping our partner calm down and making the situation better. What is the best thing to do in the situation? Well, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to know from from your own experience and from asking your partner, asking your partner, guys, when you're upset, what's the best thing I can do to help you calm down? Like, what do you need from me when you're upset? Ask this when times are good. You don't have to wait for there to be a, a problem. You don't have to wait to get a heart attack to start eating healthy, Okay. You, you don't, you know, you don't have to wait for a major fight with your partner to ask them, what are things I can do to help you feel better when, when you're overwhelmed? You know, you, you don't have to wait until you guys have to do some major thing together, like moving before you can start practicing teamwork. Like you, you can volunteer at a, at an organization together. You can, you know, do a dance class or like paint together. Like, you know, teamwork is a skill that you can learn as alongside, dealing with your partner when they are sad. Like you can learn this by talking to them. So the best, the best thing you can do would be to ask your partner what, you know, what works, 
What can I do when you're upset? And then trying to do those things and remembering, guys, remember the first rescue and those other tools that we talked about. We want to help our partner calm down. We want to offer to hold them, okay? Rock them, like stroke their cheek, okay? And tell them, I'm with you. Like, I'm here for you. Everything's going to be okay. Um, like, we're in this together, okay? The, we talked about this. We also talked about that. Don't defend deny, counterattack, or withdraw, okay? These are also all, all important things that we can do to help them calm down, okay? So that, that's, that's really what you want to do. Like, if, if you're freezing and fleeing, you're not engaging. You're not there to help your partner calm down, and often what they actually need for you to do is to hold them, okay? If you're, if you're a protest polka and you just keep protesting and saying, well, everything's not your fault then you're just distracting yourself from what you actually need to do in that situation if you, if you want to be the most effective, which is just to be present with your partner, okay? To, to hold your partner, to help them calm down, to listen to them, to connect to them. Remember that emotional bank account. We said that so many fights arise to fill a void in connection, okay? We can create connection and conflict by being present, being there, having some sort of emotional exchange, being receptive to what our partners are feeling and saying, and then responding to it by telling them, like, wow, that must be really hard. Um, like, and then and then repeating, like, it seems to me that, and, and describe what they said, and then say, like, D is this right? Tell me more. Like, be curious. Remember, we talked about the concept of partners as, like, being a treasure, okay? Like, an amazing, amazing treasure, but, like, like Indiana Jones or something, you have to like, like find the treasure, okay, to, to like enjoy it, and, and it's hard, but like if you be curious to know your partner, you're, you're learning about this treasure, you'll understand it better, you'll feel safer together, and help your relationship blossom, that's what soulmates are, guys, soulmates are people who feel very safe, very comfortable together, and who know each other, and are committed to working hard to build a beautiful relationship together. They're at maintenance level, okay? And working and in the stages of a relationship. If you want to hear more about this, check out our episode all on stages of a relationship. But you got to work for it. But the thing is, the really good news is that if you work for it and you work together, you can get there. And that's what we're all about on the show, helping you get there. So just think again and like also find the bad guy. If you're a find the bad guy, you know, that's not working, okay? It's, it's not helping your partner feel safe, which is what they need from you. So you can think about how you use this, okay? And then recognize that it's happening, take a deep breath, and then try to do what is going to work. What, we, what I feel is really just going to work best for you, which is the strategies that we've talked about so far on this show. Now, okay, so in the last at the beginning, we talked about the stress response, about exercise, how we need to take care of ourselves to take care of our partners by, by bringing down that stress response, okay, um, so that our brains can function more, like properly, so that we can be present with our partner, we can engage with them, we can support them, like those masks on an airplane. We have to put our mask on first. But a lot of us don't do that, guys. We don't take care of ourselves. We take better care of our dogs than we take care of ourselves. And, and that's not okay. Like, we need to exercise to get that stress response down. Make time to clear our heads, to take deep breaths, okay? To connect with our partners, to communicate clearly with them what we need from them. It's going to help us feel so much better and help us just be more effective as partners. In the next section, we talked about those protest polka, find the bad guy, and freeze and flee, the three main ways that Sue Johnson talks about in her book and how those lead to like just negative like conflict resolution like it's, it's just not solving the conflict but you can recognize that you do those things think about it if you're still wondering what yours is just pause again here and think about it what it could be okay and, and then try to use those tools that we talked about instead of those three default ones that people often go to okay to help you be more effective and to make conflict easier and, and hopefully a lot less frequent. Now, in this, in this last section, what we're going to talk about is uh, from John Gottman's book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. We're going to discuss 
the four horsemen of argumentation that he says are the four biggest thing that's, things that when they're present in a relationship, when they persist, they're going to lead to the destruction of the relationship, okay? The destruction of the marriage. And they're going to lead, it's going to lead to a lot, a lot of stress, psychological stress on our partner, tension, and it's going to lead our partner to leave the relationship just to protect themselves. Like, it's going to cause so much stress. Guys, we know inside that stress isn't good for us. Our partners are going to want to leave the relationship to protect themselves from stress. I argue that this may even be a hardwired genetic, like, thing. Because, because like, we know that stress is bad. And we don't like stress. And we know that stress kills. So if we, if we know that and we're experiencing a lot of it, we're going to want to leave to protect ourselves. Okay? So that we can live and pr prosper. So, so these four things, when they're present, they lead to a lot of stress on the partner. So let's discuss them. Let's recognize them and how we use them in conflict and make an effort to, to not use them, to do the opposite of them. Okay? If you've heard them already, stay tuned because we might discuss them in a, in a new light that you haven't heard of before because we, we, we reference the books, but we adapt a little bit for our show and connect them to some other books and concepts. So the first horseman in argumentation is criticism, okay? Now, criticism, it happens very, very often in relationships when we criticize our partner, when we criticize something, but it's, it leads to a lot of tension, if, especially if we criticize a character trait of our partner, which is the next horseman, contempt. So in criticism, we just kind of describe what we see. So we say something, for example, like, hmm, you know, this dinner was too cold, I didn't like it, and it tasted disgusting. That would be criticism. Contempt is you don't know how to cook, you are an awful, like, person, if you think that you knew how to do this, you'll never be good at this, and, like, I, you should just stop trying, because, like, you know, you must be crazy if you think you know how to do this, because you're so bad at it. That is contempt. So criticism is like we're, we're criticizing, we're saying that there's something wrong with the situation. Contempt is we're saying that there's something fundamentally wrong with the partner, with the person. Guys, contempt is awful absolutely awful. You'd never, ever want to use contempt in your relationship and to anyone, to your siblings, to your parents, to your coworkers. It is going to leave them shaking, okay? It is traumatic for some people, okay? Contempt is like bullying. When we say that there's something wrong with the person, guys, everyone knows that bullying scars and can have huge <laughs> negative effects on somebody that takes the last throughout their life. This is not what you want to do with your partner. It is going to stress them so much that they're going to leave, okay? And if you feel the need to spite them so much because you're so mad at them, calm down. Remember, when, the, when you're angry, when you're experiencing a lot of emotions, your car is going off the road. Your driver is flooring it. Your brain is non-functional. Your amygdala, emotional hijacking, we talked about this, is stopping the signals from getting to half your brain, Okay, your frontal lobe, your neocortex, you're not even thinking. You're not all there. Recognize that you're not there. Okay, we said first rescue. You can apply this to yourself too. You need to rescue yourself. Recognize that you, you are, the driver of your car is flooring it and you're not there. I'm telling you, you're not all there. You think that you know what you're doing, but you're not there. Your brain is not functioning fully, okay? Take a deep breath, okay? And just do things that are less likely to cause damage. Like if you're extremely, extremely stressed and you're shaking or you're angry, 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 or you're holding something in for a long time, okay, and you don't want to hold your partner, you can tell your partner respectfully, honey, I'm very, very angry right now. I need some time alone to calm down. Or if, if you know that it helps you when your partner holds you and you feel comfortable asking, you can say, honey, I'm very angry right now. I feel kind of awkward asking this, but it really helps me calm down when you hold me. Um, 
can you give me a hug, please? Or like, can I please give you a hug? Okay. And if your partner is very angry at you too, maybe they're going to say no. Maybe they're going to say yes and they're going to cry on your shoulder. That's an excellent way to build connection. Okay. It's helping the situation calm down. By the way, we're going to talk about crying in future episodes and what it means physiologically and, and what we can learn from it. Okay. But just try calm down first. Okay. Don't, it's like, it's like something very flammable. So if something is like extremely flammable, you're not going to let kids play with it so that they don't hurt themselves. You, you're, you're applying limits around this thing to protect yourself, to protect everyone else. Okay. Like, like, you know, like when you, when you plug a propane tank into your barbecue, um, to make the, like the, the gas, the gas in your barbecue turn on, like if you have a gas barbecue. Now, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but the top of your tank has like a half, like a semicircle that goes around the top to protect the, the funnel, like not the funnel, um, the, like the nozzle on the top of the tank from exploding if it hits the ground. So if you drop the tank on the top where the nozzle is, that, that semicircle around the top is going to hit the ground and it's going to stop, like it's going to hit it first, and it's going to stop that really sensitive nozzle at the top from hitting the ground directly. Because if it hits the ground and it opens, it's going to explode, like make a massive explosion, or it's going to send the propane tank like a rocket, which might break, you know, your house. It might like kill you or somebody, okay? Like dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. But but why okay, so how do you make it less dangerous? You put that that semicircle like like metal thing around the top, which also makes it easier for you to carry. But it's fundamentally there to protect the nozzle. Okay? It's the same thing that you can apply to yourself. When you are dangerous and you can explode, okay, like I want you to think like like that that propane tank exploding. Like it could break down the house could like hit the wall and explode and like blow up your house or it could like hit you or someone and like kill you okay like think of yourself as like like about you could about to explode okay you're going to put that that protective rim around the top to mitigate to limit the amount of damage that you can cause okay and then when you calm down you can you can communicate with your partner in a more respectful way but just remember this like if there if there's one takeaway message that's so important that I want I want to just I want to really take home in this episode is you are not there you are not all there when you're angry like like how how much you're functioning like your brain and it's like inversely proportional like the opposite of how angry you are so like if you're like like really angry you're like really not there okay like like thinking cognitively okay like your passenger is like not working and if you're really not angry and you're really calm then you are there like you're you're like your brain is functioning okay your amygdala is not blocking all the signals from your frontal lobe you can think so 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 important so okay criticism contempt we talked about those now another thing that happens is defensiveness Defensiveness, as you as you can guess, is like when we're really defensive and we blame the other person. Now, I'm going to give you some examples so you can understand how these three are different. So we're talking about the four horsemen of argumentation here from, from John Gottman's book. And we mentioned so far the first three, criticism, contempt, and defensiveness. Defensiveness is like when we're defensive, like we blame the other, we blame other things, okay? So it, it would look like if we're, if we're trying to bring this back to um, Sue Johnson's book, it would be like the protest polka or maybe the find the bad guy, depending on what you choose to blame. And um, if we bring this back to stop walking on eggshells, which we talked about in the last episode by Randy Kreger and Paul Mason, um, that would be like the, uh, like we talked about, don't defend, don't deny, how that is adding fuel to the fire and promoting disengagement, which is the opposite of what we need when a conflict arises. So de defensiveness, blame the others. So now let's go through some examples. Okay, so your partner comes to you and says, um, I, they, you know, the counters are dirty, it's disgusting, I can't live like this, it looks like an animal house, I can't live in an animal house. Okay. Criticism, okay, so we're, we're saying that there's, like, a problem. 
um, but kind of like in a, in a in a way that uh, okay, I, I'm just going to explain to you the difference between criticism and like like the harsh criticism that we're mentioning here. So like constructive criticism is okay, which is saying something like so like let's say that your your partner makes you dinner, or yeah, let's say that your partner makes you dinner and they put a little bit too many hot peppers in it. It's a bit too spicy for you. So like constructive criticism would say would be honey. Dinner is like delicious. Um, thank you so much for making it. Like I'm so grateful. Um, is it okay though if next time we put a little bit less peppers? It was delicious, but it was just like a little bit hard on my stomach. Okay, that would be like constructive criticism. Criticism, like the harsh criticism, would be saying something like, "It's too spicy." Like, why, like, I can't make this. But then if we said something like, why, why would you make this? That's contempt. Okay, bad, guys. Contempt. Contempt is like poison in the relationship. Bad, 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 bad. No one, no one likes contempt. Do not use it. This is like a warning. Like, it's going to cause problems for you wherever in life you use it. Contempt is, you should learn how to cook, you know? I can't believe you think you know how to cook. Okay, so let's go back to this this first example with the the um, problem with like the crumbs on the on the kitchen counter. Okay, and the partner's upset about it. Criticism is like like criticizing something about the situation. So your partner's like, why why you know why is this here? And then you're like, well, you know, if people did their job around this house, and I wasn't the only one working on the, you know, actually that could be defensiveness. I want to give you like a really good example here. Criticism is saying something like, well, actually, no, we could use this. Well, no one does anything around here. You know, why should I be the only one who does something? That's criticism. You're like criticizing other people. Okay. So contempt is like your partner tells you why are there crumbs on the counter and you tell them, who are, who are you to talk to me this way? I do everything around here. You do nothing. You're lazy and you're useless around the house. And like, how dare you, you know, don't talk to me like that. That's contempt. Defensiveness is like, oh, well, I was working so hard, you know, like, I'm, I'm really, like, tired, you know, and you've been kind of, like, pushy with me lately and then and defensiveness, okay? So we don't want to use these, guys. We don't want to use these. They're going to lead to a lot of stress on our partner, okay? Another example, uh, an example of something that we could do is try to engage more and in a respectful way. So our partner says, you know, why, why are there crumbs on the counter? And we can take a deep breath and say, honey, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I was just tired I'm going to do it now, and I'm honestly, like, I'm sorry about this. Okay, what, what makes a good apology? We're going to talk about this in future episodes. Um, but to make a good apology, we're going to first express remorse by saying I'm sorry. We're then going to try to understand what the other partner's feeling. So that you could say something like, honey, I'm sorry. I see that you work really hard, and it must feel really bad for you to work so hard and to see this kind of mess in the house. Okay, and then, yeah, that's really, like, that's good. That's part of the apology. The next is to describe how you feel. Honestly, I felt kind of down lately and stressed, and I know that it's inappropriate, and I, okay. And then the fourth is to make a plan that it won't happen again. Okay, so um, I promise you that I'm going to make more of an effort to clean the counters if I make the mess, and I'm going to tell the kids to do the same. Why don't we make a chore chart where everyone could be responsible for a different thing each day. And then the kid who's responsible for the counters will make sure that they're clean. And then we can put up signs like stop, a stop sign before you leave the kitchen. And say, that says, I'm ready when, like I'm ready to leave the kitchen when, you know, counters are clean, plates are put away, like this kind of stuff. It's about limits, okay? Like if that counter's dirty and it's really bothering your partner, it could be passing their limits. Remember that we said earlier that limits is like the... The number one reason I think that like 95% of fights happen is when those limits aren't met, okay? So a better 
if, if we just really clearly communicate those limits, consistently enforce them, and make them all advertise, all these problems won't happen in the first place. Making yourself a victim, okay? Like, that, that's defensiveness. We don't want to become victims, guys. Okay, so we talked about those first three. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness. The last horseman, guys, and it's going to lead to the destruction of the relationship over the long term. This one especially is stonewalling, okay? Stonewalling is when we completely disengage. We just, like, we can't take it anymore, we withdraw. Like, your partner bothers you, bothers you, bothers you, and you just withdraw. You're like, you know what? I can't take this. I can't take this. Like, you know? You just withdraw. You ignore them. You don't say hi to them. You, you lose that friendship. And guys, friendship is the most important part of a relationship. We're going to talk about this more later. But, like, friendship makes the relationship. Okay? You are best friends. That's the goal. If you start ignoring them and you don't engage with them, your emotional bank account is going to go down, down, down. It's, you know, the, the inertia is going to keep it going. Your partner is going to model back what you do to them. So you ignore them. They're going to ignore you back. And that gas tank is going to get lower, lower, lower. Okay, the love tank. And then when the gas tank is empty and the emotional bank account, the emotional bank account is empty, you're going to ask yourself, why am I doing this anyway? Honestly, like, why am I here? I could be happier elsewhere. Yeah, well, you could be much happier in the relationship if you built that emotional bank account and you built the gas tank. You need to model what you want to see. You need to take responsibility and ownership. We're going we're gonna to get to this more um, in future episodes. But that's what happens. You're going to think, what? Like, what? why am I here? There's nothing here. Yeah, because you let it get there, okay? Don't stonewall. Stonewall is going to kill your relationship. Like, I can almost guarantee that if you don't get out of stonewall, the relationship is going to end. That's not what we want. That's not what we want. We don't want to disengage, guys. When you disengage, you are taking away the very thing that's building the relationship, that's keeping the relationship together, that emotional bank account. You're going to stop sharing love the way your partner wants to receive it, guys. If you just disengage, you are signing away your relationship. That is not what we want. But we are going to stonewall to protect ourselves. If we keep getting contempt, it is going to be so traumatic that we stonewall to separate ourselves, to disengage, to have some space where we can breathe. Like, we just can't take it anymore. Like, you know, if somebody is just really, really bothering you and you just can't, Take it anymore. You stonewall. You just don't text them anymore. You don't call them. You disengage. It is to protect yourself. If you get to this point with your partner, go to therapy. Go to couples therapy, okay? Try build that relationship up again. Do things that make you feel good again, okay? I mean, I can't give professional advice. Nothing on the show is professional advice, by the way. It's for information purposes only. We're not experts. We don't claim to be experts. But just just recognize that this is extremely, extremely dangerous and it usually builds up. So you go from criticism to contempt to defensiveness. Then when you hit stonewalling, you're signing away your relationship. Okay. But how can we not get there? Guys, we can stop it at criticism. We don't have to use criticism. We don't have to criticize them in a harsh way. We can just say, like, in a very respectful way, what we want. Like, very respectful. And just say what we need from our partners. It is okay to express to your partner in a respectful way what you need from them. That is the whole purpose of a relationship, okay? To help each other overcome, you know, your needs so that you can build up and get even better, stronger, and, and to be better together than you would be apart. So think, think, for example, if the food's too spicy. Okay, criticism. The food is too spicy, like, you know, it doesn't taste good, the, you know, too much salt, it ruined the food. okay. Guys, there's better ways of saying this. And I'm telling you, if you start with criticism, you are asking for contempt. You are starting the cycle. If you criticize your partner, you are inviting them to use contempt against you. It's, it's bad, okay? Like, you know, we don't want our partners to do that. But people model what, they, what you show them. If you model harsh, they're going to model harsh back to you guys. But if they are harsh to you, you don't have to be harsh back. Remember, we talked about this in the modeling episode. You can overcome this by taking a deep breath, recognizing that you usually model them, and trying to show compassion instead, okay? Gentle startup, guys. Instead of, it's too spicy. I love the food you make. It tastes delicious. I love it when you make pasta. I especially love it when there is a bit more tomatoes and a bit less of the peppers. 
guys, that's fine. Like your partner's gonna get, they're not gonna get mad at you. Okay, or I love it. It's sensitive on my stomach though. Um, is it okay if, if we do less peppers next time? Guys, no one's gonna get mad at you for saying that. Like if you say it respectfully, it's gonna end there. That's it, that's it. Boom, that's it. Why contempt? Why? Why criticize? Guys, it's better. You are creating so many problems for yourself if you criticize. The next is contempt, okay? You're not, you're a bad cook. You must be crazy if you think you know how to cook. Guys, why? You are, you are going to get your partner to stonewall. And if they stonewall, like, guys, you're in trouble. You are in big trouble, okay? Like, for your relationship. Okay, we don't, we don't want to go there. Don't ever contempt. Guys, do the opposite of contempt. You know what the opposite of you're not a good cook? It's appreciation. I love the way that you work so hard to prepare such nice meals for us. I feel, I feel so special to know that you care and that you work so hard to build our relationship, to make me feel good, and to help me like with some delicious food some nights. I love the nights that you cook. I'm just so grateful for you. Guys, no one's going to get mad at you for saying that. No one. In fact, it's going to build your emotional bank account. It's the opposite of contempt. If contempt is criticizing that person's character, appreciation is going to build up their character. And guys, remember, if a bad event happens and you, and you ask somebody about the event, they usually they, they only point out to you the bad things. Like if a hundred good things happened and one bad thing happened and you ask your partner what happened, they're usually going to remember that bad thing because people are really, really insecure about themselves. And it's just normal, guys. We're humans. It's part of us. Okay. If somebody criticizes you or they show contempt, you're going you're gonna to remember it and it's going to stick with you and it can do a lot of damage. It can affect you for years. You don't want to go there. Okay, then we're going to get to defensiveness. I'm not this, you know, don't, you know, don't call me that. It's not me. You know, you're trying to make yourself a victim. I work so hard, and I, you know, which is, which, you know, if, if someone gives you contempt, like, yeah, you're going to resort to this. It's like, we need to protect ourselves. Or you might give contempt back. No, no, no. Okay, defensiveness. Guys, what's the opposite of making yourself a victim? It's taking responsibility for the situation. That's what you want to do. Just do the opposite of this. Don't be a victim. Take responsibility. It's really hard to live in a world where you feel like you don't have any say over anything and there's nothing you can do. Okay? That sucks. That really sucks. Like, if you think like that, I'm sorry for you because it is so hard to live in a world where you don't have a say over the situation. Like, honestly, I'm sorry. That must suck. It feels so empowering to feel like we have a say. Okay? To feel like, like we have a choice. And then they're stonewalling, okay, disengaging. The opposite of stonewalling is engaging, being present. But more so, guys, if we need to take a break, we can take a break in a good way. Like, we don't need to completely ignore our partner and walk away from them. We can just say something like, honey, I need some time for myself. Is it okay if I go to our room for 10 minutes and listen to some music and take some deep breaths? Do you want to come with me? Maybe we can cuddle together while we listen to relaxing music and work on our breathing together. Guys, this is good. This is good. This is good calming techniques. They are better calming techniques than stonewalling because we need each other to survive. We need connection. The absence of connection is going to really, really, really cause a lot of problems in the long run. Okay? We want to always focus on keeping that friendship, being best friends with our partner. That is what the relationship is all about being best friends. But how can we be best friends if we ignore each other? Remember that the hardest part is always starting, guys. It's really hard once you start stonewalling, once you start disengaging. But if you keep doing it long enough, it's going to become the norm. And it's going to be really, really hard to do something else. And when that emotional bank account gets too low, that is going to be the end of the relationship. And that's not what we want. Don't criticize, contempt, be defensive, or stonewall. Instead, show appreciation, express your needs in a respectful way, take responsibility, and work on better ways of calming down. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We're running out of time for this episode now, so I'm going to quickly summarize everything up that we talked about. In the first part of the show, we talked all about how when we hold things in too long, they get really, really heavy, the tension builds up, and we explode. Okay, we don't want to do that. We want to take things out in respectful ways before they get big. We talked about how when we have so much pressure tension, stress, we are not all there, we're not thinking, we're not present, okay, we can't engage, it's, it's not working for us, 
We then talked about how exercise and other self-care is so important to be all there to get our brains functioning again. And we cannot expect to have like a really strong and beautiful relationship with our partner if we're not taking care of ourselves because we're not going to be physical, physically and emotionally capable to be present, to be there. Okay, we, we need to, to take care of ourselves to be there or else like the airplane with the oxygen mask will just both go unconscious and that's not what we want. You want to put your mask on so that you can stay awake so that you can put on the other mask and help whoever else you know, you're with stay awake, like stay conscious. You, wanna, you need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of somebody else. And guys, a relationship is about taking care of each other, right? So you need to take care of yourself if you want to fulfill your part of the relationship and do that. Then we talked about Sue Johnson's book, Hold Me Tight, the three main ways that people experience conflict. There is the freeze and flee, you know, walking away, disengaging. There's the protest polka, which is when we protest, you know, try and make it that it's not our fault and find the bad guy. Okay, these are all not not helpful. These are the opposite of what we need to do in a relationship. So really, really think about if you engage in one of these things, which one it is, recognize when it happens, take a deep breath, and instead try to be present, okay? Try to engage and use the other tools that we talked about to build connection, hear your partner out, use reflective listening, eye statements, all the things we've been discussing so far in this series so that you can help the situation get better. We then talked about the four horsemen, argumentative horsemen that lead to the destruction of a relationship and conflict in John Gottman's book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. That was criticism, content, defensiveness, and stonewalling. We don't want to go there, okay? Especially stonewalling. If you get to stonewalling, guys, there's bad, bad, bad property. And especially, guys, contempt is going to fast track you to stonewalling. Don't, don't engage in that. Remember, we talked about the story in the last episode with the boy who puts nails in the fence Okay, when you take out the nail, the hole is still there. Contempt is like like putting, like shooting the fence with a cannon. Okay, like you're going to really cause damage to your partner. And they're going to feel so stressed, so tense that they're just not going to be able to engage with you anymore out of the need to protect themselves. Okay, stress kills. And we, we know that, okay? People know that. People recognize that. So if they feel stressed, they're going to disengage disengage. But through using simple, soft startups, okay, expressing what we need in very respectful ways, showing appreciation, taking responsibility, and helping to take care of ourselves by like taking deep breaths, listening to music, going for walks, other than stonewalling, okay, we are going to be on track to deal with conflict better, more effectively. And it's going to be easier for us too, guys. It's hard to be in conflict. We don't want that. So why create it? Honestly, why? Why? Don't, don't, don't create it. It's, it's going to be hard. Use these tricks to make it a little bit easier. Thank you so much for listening to the show. In the next episode, we're going to go back to these four argumentative horsemen in John Gottman's book. We're going to discuss them a little bit more. Thank you to the Gottman Institute, by the way, for, for this, this, these ideas, these, this content, um, which is very inspiring for us. We're going to share some more stories. I hope you like the, the story with the glass um, and the last, last episode story. We're going to share some more and some quotes. Um, also, check out our blog, learnlove.ca slash blog, if you're looking for written versions of this content. We have a, a bunch of blog posts on conflict resolution and some more in development that we're going to be releasing over this week. Um, and also, check out our social media channels. We're just starting them out, but we're going to work on expanding them, specifically the Twitter and the Pinterest this week. So um, check out for that. That's Learn to Love on Twitter and on Pinterest. Um, if you have any questions for us, um, something about this episode or something you want to see on the show in the future, please send us an email. I'd love to hear from you. I read all the emails that come to us. That's contact at learnlove.ca. If you want to volunteer for us, you can submit content to our blog at learnlove.ca slash blog. Or if you have any ideas um, for other things you can do, like if you're into search engine optimization or some uh, editing um, we'd love to hear from you. So reach out there, contact at learnlove.ca, or you can just use one of those contact forms on our website. And with that, I'm going to wrap it all up. So I hope you found this episode meaningful. I hope that the ideas from it inspired you. We went through a lot of content in this episode, a lot, a lot of content. I hope you found it super educational. This is stuff that's so important that just isn't taught in schools. 
But it's, it's so, so important to know. Um, one thing that we, we want to push for in the future is more education on love and relationships and conflict management in schools because, you know, people just need it throughout life and we don't learn, okay? Love is hard. It can be so, so hard sometimes. And conflict can be so difficult when we don't have the tools we need to manage it. But it doesn't have to be with these tools. I hope that it will help make your relationship easier, more enjoyable, more fun, more fulfilling, and that it will help you stay together. We on the show are all about staying together. Thank you so, so much for listening to the end. I'm so happy that you joined us and that you're taking these steps to build a better and stronger, healthier relationship and family. And I'm so excited to welcome you back to the next episode where we talk more on conflict resolution. In future episodes, we're going to talk about numbing, self-care, we're going to talk about feelings, and so much more. Thank you for listening, and I can't wait to welcome you back in the next episode.